0: Condon. Ken Miller, Trent Condon,
1: Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM.
2: Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you. Minus the Miller plus the downs on a Thursday getaway day for your boy TC, T.C. I'm off to Scottsdale this afternoon for some sunning and funning, a little golf, but before that, we got two hours of Sports Talk Radio for you here with myself, Andrew Downs, sitting in for the first segment, and a whole host of guests. We'll get into that on the BMW Des Moines guest list. AD, what's happening across the glass? Oh, not much. Glad to be here again. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm I'm a little jealous of you, but you know, it's... It's needed. I, I'm ready for sure. I'm ready yes. to get away. I feel like the 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 first vacation, you know, like real vacation. Mm-hmm. I know like people have done trips. We drove out to Colorado yep. last summer, things like that. But uh, my wife and I, at the end of this month, are going on our first kind of getaway in in well over a year now. And man, it's just the the relief and the freedom that that you're going to feel this weekend. I. I can't imagine.
2: So it's a bachelor party for my cousin, my younger cousin. He's like nine years younger than me. Nice. So it's going to be difficult for me to keep up. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem in its own right. And it's 99 degrees every day in Scottsdale this weekend. We're golfing. We're doing all that stuff. And sure, we're going to be at the bars a long time also. So I got all that going on, which, which is great. But then in four weeks is the wedding. That will be where it's in Decora, but the kids are staying with my parents oh, who nice. live in New Hampton. Nice. And we got a hotel, but that will be my wife's first time. Away from Jack, he is twenty one oh, wow. months because of this pandemic, we haven't had getaways yeah, like that. we've gone places, but we've gone places with him. He has not had a night that's
0: incredible
2: away from his mom, he's almost
0: two yeah, because your son is just younger than my daughter, yeah, and yeah, like my my wife's in a similar situation, but we have had you know more recently had some weekends where we've been able to get away mm-hmm. uh, with parents in town here, and so that's incredible, almost two full years. Without a night away from your child.
2: And to think, uh, my daughter was, I think, five months old when we went out to the Rose Bowl. And we just yeah, right. left her with right, Graham and exactly. it was all good. But <laughs> this pandemic is definitely throwing a wrench into things. So looking forward to the weekend, but looking forward to talking a lot today. So baseball from last night sucked again for my twins. They were terrible. Oh, Cubs, oof. another one-run loss. And, and you know expectations, I think, are, are coming to the norm yes, for Cubs fans for realizing. Sure. That was fun last week, sweeping the Dodgers. They're not that
0: good. Yeah, you're a quarter of the way through the season now, or, or just about. Mm-hmm. You're, you're starting to really be able to kind of make some determinations about some of these teams.
2: You know, and, and for the Cubs, you wonder all right, you got these parts. You have Rizzo, Bryant, even Javi Baez. Does selling off those pieces right. make sense? And really, the one that looks like you could get the best return, at least right now, is Chris Bryant. Yes. But now Chris Bryant's finally showing signs of the guy we saw three years ago that was an MVP. So you want to be doing that. So It's kind of that dichotomy that you get into as a sports fan. You want to see your team. You want to see the best things for them. Rebuilds are not fun. They're not. And the Cubs are a different level. Your Giants are still a major market team. But they don't spend like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. No, they don't. They don't spend that way. So you're used to rebuilds. I'm used to rebuilds as a Twins fan. Pretty much everybody has had to go through that in some fashion. It's different for some organizations, but... As a Cubs fan, you got the payoff. You got the payoff. You got the World Series. You thought there was going to be more. I think everybody anticipated there'd be more. Especially but...
0: when they hit that early, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it felt like they were a year early when they won the World Series in 2016. And then to have that be the only thing you get out of this crop of guys, out of this kind of era of Cubs baseball, mm-hmm. that I feel like the overall, it's hard to say it'd be a disappointment because you that's what it. they all wanted. They got it, right? Yeah. After 108 years or whatever it was, they got it. But, man, you feel like there could have been more there.
2: Yes. I think that's going to be kind of the lasting legacy of this. They got one. Felt like maybe there should have been more than one. Yeah. And that's how it's going to be. The Yankees had their teardown. It was very small. It was basically a year. Yes. Where they sold off Chapman and got players in return. They tourism company. And now he's right back with them. So the Yankees are different. They kind of play by their own set of rules. The Dodgers are performing differently in the way they spend. For the Cubs... How long does a rebuild really take? You know, you wonder about the money situation. That also plays in with what we've heard about the Ricketts family. It's got to be a difficult spot right now to be a Cubs fan, knowing what's probably going to be inevitable come July, there's going to be these pieces sold off. And how long is that rebuild in front of you? Is it three years with a new TV network? Can't be exactly fun either.
0: Uh, And it sucks to see those guys that you really feel like are a part of your organization that you saw come up. A lot of guys that we saw come through here in Des Moines with the Mm -hmm. Iowa Cubs, and so Cubs fans have even even more of an attachment there. And it's gonna be hard to see guys like Rizzo and Bryant if they go elsewhere, go elsewhere and have their careers there and, and do well for other teams and maybe win other titles. You know, I was talking with my dad last night. We were hanging out watching the the Cardinals Brewers and we were talking about the Giants. And, you know, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt Brandon Crawford, these guys who have been part of this dynastic decade of of the Giants are playing better than they have in several years right now. They're mm-hmm. they're playing you know like they were five six years ago, and if the Giants aren't there in July and August, that's when you start okay. Or do they sell these pieces off? Mm-hmm. And like, I can't imagine seeing Buster Posey in another uniform. Right, that'll be heartbreaking for me. Uh, but but it. It could happen, and if it does, it may be the best thing for the team. So you're right, it's this hard kind of juxtaposition dichotomy thing that you're going to have to... You want what's best for your team, but you also want that to be right now. It's hard to be patient as a sports fan. And man, seeing Chris Bryant with another uniform on, seeing Anthony Rizzo with another uniform on, that's going to be tough.
2: I I think Rizzo will be the most difficult one. And again, I'm not a Cubs fan, but just seeing the way that he is in the community, the smile on his face, the guy that also will go out there and... If he needs to crack some knuckles. He'll he'll do that too, for sure. He is the embodiment of a team player, an easy guy to root for. The cancer that he went through as a youngster. There are so many things with Anthony Rizzo. And then he slaps on a Marlins jersey. He's out there and he's back where with the Red Sox. It's something like that. Yeah,
0: Yankees, Dodgers. Right. Some, you know, one of these big Tough teams comes to and swallow. Pays him a lot of money. Yeah.
2: To to see that happen at a a guy that is so beloved, it's going to be. But I think that's the reality.
0: I think it probably is, too, because as you said, the Ricketts family uh, doesn't seem like a great ownership group. And the the team doesn't seem great this year. And I think they're going to continue to kind of revert to that mean. And ultimately, they're going to have some pieces that are very valuable to other clubs later this summer. They're not going to be able to hold on to them.
2: Right. Right. And that makes sense. That's how you do it in today's baseball. Yeah. You mentioned you watched the Brewers and the Cardinals last night. I flipped over after the White Sox started, continued so to play. I the got Brews. out of oh, hand, geez. yeah. It was yeah. just, oh, what a laughing stock. But anyway, that was entertaining. I've watched both nights I flipped over to get over to the Brewers Cardinals. And so, were you listening... I'm. Fox Sports Midwest? Is that so where you were?
0: We, we were uh, Fox Sports, ba- or Bally's, Bally, yeah, Bally's
2: yeah. Wisconsin.
0: Okay. Yeah, my dad, so my Brian, dad likes to watch the, he's from Wisconsin, he yeah. likes to watch the Brewers uh, broadcast. Well, and
2: that's where I always go too, because yeah. I love Brian Anderson. Yes. He is one of my favorite he's very TV good. announcers. He's in general, and he does NBA playoffs, and right. he does NCAA tournament, he does a lot. One
0: of those names that like doesn't jump out at you right away, right? You say Brian Anderson, people, mm-hmm. uh, and then you start listing, oh, he did this. He, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, he's good.
2: And I think baseball is his best sport. I think that is where he is at the top of his game. He's had some gaffes. I remember there was an NBA playoff game that he screwed up. So there's been those moments that he has had, but he's excellent on Brewers baseball. Yes. And I was just thinking last night, the double that gives them the lead then the home run right after it just what that building would have been like i know it's may it's the middle of may we got a long ways to go in baseball but 10,000 there and it felt like 35,000 it did
0: it did and it's going to be fun as these places start to open up more and more mm-hmm. and you know like uh, i'm a lakers fan they they were actually able to hoist that banner last night i mean yeah, I think about that, that. It's all. I mean, because it hasn't been a year, because it was late fall when right. they actually won. But you know, it's basically a, a full season later, and they're just now raising the banner because they can just now get enough fans in there to kind of justify it. I saw the Twins this week have opened things up mm-hmm. uh, to full capacity and and kind of have that stick and carrot with the mask thing of hey, we get to seventy percent vaccinated, no yep. more masks. Um, it's it's going to be really really fun to hear and see and experience some of these full arenas, full stadiums. Because you're right, it's just. Even though it was fun
2: last night, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not. Yeah. We're not fully back yet. What's gonna be your first full event? Are you going to hit a concert up? You gonna is it a football Saturday or Sunday? What's gonna be Probably the first time that you're shoulder to shoulder with people.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I think I'm I'm like pretty much there. Like I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're going to that hinterland music festival okay. down in St. Charles yes. uh, in early August. So, but that's outside. It's a big area, so I don't know how crowded that will be. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how restrictive they've been with ticket sales. I know they sold out very quickly, but I doubt it's full capacity, or at least I doubt it was when tickets went on sale. I don't know what it's going to be. I hope it's Kinnick Stadium this fall, mm-hmm. or you know Carver Hawkeye this winter. Because um, really, a, f- a full—I I almost don't, I almost wouldn't want to go back to Kinnick if it was not going to be the full experience, right? And I'm sure Iowa State fans who were able to go to Jack Trice last fall enjoyed it and are glad they were able to, and I think it's cool that they were able to, and all of those things. But still, it it would almost be just a constant reminder of well. This isn't quite there. We're not quite there yet. And so to go into a full Kinnick Stadium, I think that's probably the first sporting event that I, I really want to fully embrace. That That is unless, you know I mean, if Principal Park opens all the way up sometime mm-hmm.
2: this summer, I'll be there. Um, and there's yeah. a rehab assignment for somebody and... <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of one of those things where the city's coming together, right? One time. Exactly. And the great story that uh, came out about the ownership group, yes, down there, fantastic. At Four million dollars that they lost, yet everybody stayed in waited. That was incredible to see. It in, is a tip of the ball cap, rare in minor league, rare oh, in any sport, especially well, minor in any league Any organization, baseball. yeah, absolutely. Just to think that that happened and to go through that, those are the kind of stories. So yeah, it'd be great if everybody. I paid full price for tickets. Yes. And we got 10000 in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you ever been to Principal Park for a full game? Yes. I have not. Yes. I've been there for lots of games, but never oh. one of those... Kerry Wood rehab. Yeah, starts. right. A couple of those big rehab yeah. starts.
0: A couple of those, you know. Yeah, the, the Wood and Pryor when yes. those guys were coming through, it was so big. Um, it's been a while since I've been to a you know that it, mm-hmm. hell. It may have been Sec Taylor at that time, right? But <laughs> I don't remember when they made that that change. But um, yes, it's
2: it's electric in there when it's packed. So a couple of different places to go. Baseball last night, not fun for me. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna happen. That was rough. The scheduler release. So yeah. we talked about this yesterday, and I remember this happening every year, and yet every year I get duped by it. And it's not the fake Twitter accounts that we talked about yesterday, though there were still plenty of those. There was. It was also, you got this big reveal on TV, Yep, right before it, everybody releases a schedule anyway. Yeah. And it happens every year, yet I forget about it, seemingly every year, thinking, gotta wait till 7 o'clock before you're going to see everything. And they see everything like 642. Yeah. And all the teams are coming out with the Broncos and their Peyton Manning video, which was hilarious. And and on and on and on. Who was it? The the Steelers, I think, had the Legos one. Got a kick out of that That one. That was good. Everybody's going to do their thing. But you don't need to even wait for the TV show. I don't know. I just I forget about that seemingly every year. I do too. And I saw somebody on Twitter, and I wish I remembered who it
0: was um, last night who was saying, "Man, if they had just put out the entire schedule when they put out the week one schedule, that would have been the biggest talking point yesterday. Mm-hmm. That would have been what we all talked about. It would have been the biggest thing in sports yesterday. Would have been the the, the schedule release. And I mean, it was to some extent, uh-huh. but it happens in the evening, and by this morning, we've all kind of digested it to some extent, uh, and so. Yeah, you wonder if there's a kind of a better way that they could they could do this because it is a big deal and it is exciting and I think uh, second to the draft, it probably is the biggest off season event for lack of a better word in the NFL off season schedule um, because you know I guess opening of training camps and things like that. We had a poll on this on Murph and Andy yesterday, and the draft one going away mm-hmm. clearly, but like for for us. Bears fans who have some a glimmer of hope this year. Yeah. The schedule being released is a big deal. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I really care about this. I really want to see. Okay, when are, when are they playing in prime time? How can I kind of schedule my life around this? Yes. Are they playing in Detroit for Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay. How's how's that day going to mm-hmm. go?
2: How upset am I going to be by the time the turkey hits the table? Are we going to the in-laws this year? Or do <laughs> yeah. I get to do it at home? Well, maybe it's an excuse that yeah. we're going to do it at home. Right. Exactly. The Bears are playing this day. And you know the matchups.
0: You know when when are they going to get to see this team? When you know who who is going to be the Packers quarterback? Is Blake Bortles going to be the Packers quarterback? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. It's, it is fun. I do think they're, they could tweak it a little bit and make it just a little more interesting,
2: I think. Maybe spread it out over a couple of days. That's where a good idea. You, you release, all right, this is week one, and then the next is, these are the primetime games. This yes. is Monday night and Sunday night, and Thanksgiving, you know, special holidays. And then the final one, the third day is... Everything else.
0: I like that. That's a good idea. And do it like, yeah, do it at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Or, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning for the morning rush to get in on it, right? <laughs> there like, you go. Get, Do it in the morning so that we all have all day. And I mean, I know a lot of people aren't back in offices and things yet, but that's when that's when people are talking. That's when the water cooler stuff happens, mm-hmm. even, even on social media. You know, you release this at, at 9 o'clock in the morning, and... We're all looking at it. We're all discussing it. It happens at night, and most of that conversation just happens on Twitter.
2: That, that is very true. I understand they want to make it a TV event. For sure. And I'm sure when we see the numbers next week, TV-wise, they're going to be through the roof. Yes. We're releasing a schedule. But that's the power of the NFL. It is. And, and they're the only ones that can do it. I do like that thought, though. Week one, mm-hmm. just give us that. Cause then, cause that's, that's a day of fodder.
0: Yes it is and then the primetime game because mm-hmm. i was thinking you know do they do 4 weeks at a time but no i think you're right primetime games mm-hmm. give us all those and so oh, okay Wow, this is this is cuz that there there's a little bit of that which is oh, here's who they think is going to be good. Right. Right, yep. here here are the matchups they think that are going to to be important. Um and then yeah, give us the rest and and we can all kind of digest it. I like that.
2: That makes sense and the NFL is always looking to extend that calendar any yes, way possible. And that's an easy way to do it. Takeaways from you, Bears or anything else from the schedule anything jump out to you? It it seemed pretty manageable at least early for the Bears so yeah. Andy Dalton can do his thing, win a couple of games, and then go to the bench, right? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. I, you know, you kind of wish that bye week was a little earlier.
0: Uh-huh. If, if you think that's the time when they're going to make the change to Justin Fields, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's so hard because it's funny. A part of this is I love the schedule, and I do look at it, and I do start to you know W and mm-hmm. and think about it, and I know for a fact that there are teams on there that I think are good that are not going to be good. And there are teams on there that I think are easy that are not going to be easy games, mm-hmm. and so I really know nothing, and yet I feel like I have all of the information I need. It's it, which is not true at all. What'd you come up with when you w would the Bears last night? Well, because I know you did it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if we're being, if I'm being realistic, I'm looking at you know eleven and six.
2: You went eleven and six? I did. Well, this is what we talked about yesterday. Guess what I was six and eleven. No, 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 not that bad. <laughs> I was at eight and nine. Okay, I was at eight and nine. Yeah, that stretch towards the middle before the bye week not exactly easy. Not knowing what the Packers no, are going to be. Right, but you're exactly right. And this is the NFL, and this is just the way football is at the professional level. Is there's teams that you look like on paper? Oh, that's an easy win, and, and very well could be a bad team. But that week, for you have an injury. Yes, Yeah. Right. A host of injuries. What whatever it may be, the team just comes out flat. And in the NFL, that happens. Any given Sunday, well, there's a reason that moniker's out there, because that can happen. I mean,
0: you're, you're also more, uh, like, mental about this than I am. Like, you 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 try to do it for real. Mm-hmm. I let my pettiness come in. Like, okay. I will never pick the Bears to lose to the Packers. Oh, I just can't do it. Weird. Even though they do all the time. Right. Right? Even though they, they just constantly lose to the Packers. Like, I can't bring myself to... Envision that happening before it actually happens. Okay. Like there's, there's two wins right there. You know, I, I think I had the Bears going like five and one in the division, one loss in Minneapolis. Yeah, probably. yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah, and so, but you know, Detroit will probably be you know, certainly gonna be a different team. Who knows that Thanksgiving game will be interesting. Mm-hmm. The Packers are gonna be a good team even without Aaron Rodgers if they don't have him. Um, it's always hard to play in Lambeau. So, I yeah that that's where. My optimism gets the best of me sometimes, too, is that I, I just I pick what I want to happen sometimes more than what I actually think is going to happen.
2: Makes a lot of sense. We're going to get into that a little bit more, the NFL squ- schedule, and a breakdown of that with Christian DeAndrea. He's going to come up here at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk more. We'll uh, break down the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, the Chiefs, go in-depth on the regional teams and overall on the NFL schedule. So one final thing for you, AD. Yeah. Did a little historical work here, and... Having a conversation earlier this week with one of my Cyclone buddies, and the conversation morphed into expectations. Yes. And Iowa State obviously has never been in a spot like this. Do you know how many times they've been ranked in the preseason AP Top 25? Uh, Five. Three. Wow. 1978, they were 20th, finished 15th. Okay. And then the last two years. That's it. Really, they they were never ranked in the early like the Seneca years. Nope. Wow. None of those years, the preseason poll, they were ranked three times in program history. Holy so, cow! We're we're talking uncharted territory here. Yes. At a nine and three season, historically, well, it was last year. That's what they were. They were nine and three. Yeah. That was a historical season. Yet, if you told an Iowa State fan right now you're going to go nine and three, it would be a huge disappointment to it them. Would. But I think that's and that re- sucks. Yeah,
0: because that's realistic. Hell, that's a good season. Mm-hmm. It is even with the hype, even with everybody coming back. I mean, the way and Chris Williams and I talk about this a lot. Matt Campbell and Kirk Ferentz and the similarities between them and kind yeah. of their philosophies. And I think that's a good thing for Matt Campbell, and I think it's a good thing for Iowa State. I think it's a dangerous thing for Iowa State fans because after twenty two years of watching Kirk Ferentz football, I know. That every season could be seven and five or ten and two. Mm-hmm. Every season, sure things change and, and players come and go and schedules change. But it's a handful of plays that determine seven and five or ten and two. And a lot of that isn't in your control. It's breaks, it's calls, mm-hmm. it's little things here and there. It's a uh, you know a a it's it's Texas missing a field goal to win that game, right? Mm-hmm. It's a kick return, yeah. by Kenade Nwangu, yes, right. to come in back Oklahoma. and beat Baylor, yeah, Baylor too. Yeah, uh, some some seasons everything goes your way, and it's magical, and you go twelve and zero, right? And some seasons you have a really good team, and things don't go your way, and you're eight and four playing in the Outback Bowl again, and it's that's a hard pill to swallow, especially when you have to swallow it year after year after year. And I think that's where Iowa State is right now.
2: The wild thing, the historical nature of this, and us as Iowa fans, we know this very well on the football field. Iowa has never lived up to expectations that have been this high. Every time that they've been ranked, even in the top 15 level, they have not ended at that level. Every single one, at least in the recent history, the last 40 years, going back to the beginning of the Hayden era, they have never reached the expectations of that kind of season, No, even 1985. At 1985, they win, go to the Rose Bowl. They win the Big Ten that year, right number one for a long stretch of the season. Here's the thing they were preseason number four that year. Right. And they finished 10th. Right. And you can look at that as a disappointing year. And certainly people that were at the Rose Bowl will tell you that was a disappointing performance yes. with all the fumbles from Ronnie Harmon and everything that happened there. And that's what you get into. And you're right. The margins for everybody, short of the Bamas and Clemsons and right. Ohio State, it's razor thin. And the great
0: thing is when when you play the style that these guys coach, you're not going to get blown out very often. You're going to be in just about every game. And you can look at your schedule almost every season and say, hey, I feel good about this. But every game is going to come down to just a handful of plays. And Iowa State has been on the right side of those plays a lot recently mm-hmm. and on the wrong side of those plays a lot historically. And it's just you just have to hope it all comes together in one year and the odds are that it's not going to like the odds are Iowa State's not going to win ten games this year, even though I think they're good, yeah, very good, and and maybe will be favored in ten of their games. the The chances of that actually
2: happening are just low. The difference is Iowa State the last two years where they finished in the top ten yeah. as opposed to the year before, right? They lost the close the, the two point conversion against Oklahoma. A play is easily made. Yes. And this is a completely different season. The, the close loss they had to Oklahoma State. Of course, the Iowa game. Yeah. On, on what looked like they were going to get the ball, for sure. Go down, kick a field goal, and they were going to win it. When the game before that, Purdy jumps on that fumble in triple overtime to save a loss yes. to you and I. So they are, two years ago, two pl- two whiskers away from being 9-4 and in and a completely different conversation of what was considered a disappointing year. Yeah. And then last year, you mentioned Oklahoma. You, you mentioned... The Baylor game, there's so many that could have gone the other way, and all of a sudden, they're not a top-ten team. They're not even a top-25 team a year ago, coupled with a loss to Louisiana in the non-conference. And people are saying, Matt Campbell's all right, but is he the guy that's going to get them over the hump? Right. That is what the difference is, and it's difficult to do. Expectations. I get it. As a fan, if you want to have those expectations, do it. Maybe it's my nature, but I just say I look at the historical context, you know, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff, and I, I like looking back and to see that and to know as a fan of a program of very similar stature, it's tough. It it's is. it's really tough to get over and to do that on a consistent basis.
0: It it really it really is. And and you have to it's again with the injuries and just you just never know what you're going to be facing in a given week. You know, you can we can look at Iowa's schedule, like for Iowa this season, you can look at their schedule and again, like the NFL. You think you know which teams are gonna be good, you think you know but like last season for Iowa, and I know it was a weird year, but you thought that stretch with Penn State and Michigan State, like, oh wow. Right. These first couple games, you know, Northwestern Purdue will get through that, and then comes the hard stretch of the season, and it was the exact opposite. You lose those first two games, you win six in a row. Uh, and so it's just have have expectations. Have hope. I'm optimistic. Be optimistic. Right? You want to you want to dream that your team's going to make the college football playoff this year. Have at it. Don't be devastated when it doesn't happen <laughs> because it's probably not going to happen. And and like if a loss to Iowa in week two is going to ruin your season, mm-hmm. like brace yourself, man, because that's going to be a close game. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. You and
2: is not going to be a pushover. No, we never are. A- and. You go on and on and on. And the Big 12 last year, I didn't think it was a great conference. No, It's going to be better. It is. Texas Tech's going to be better. Oklahoma State's going to be, I think, they lose and who knows what goes with, on with Gundy. And some people think Oklahoma's the best team in the country. I think that's a little silly. But that's how good this conference has a chance to be. A couple of swings, 8-4, and four, might be closer to reality. I think 9-3 and three is probably where I would pick Iowa State.
0: Yeah, And I think that's a good season. I think you should be happy about that. But you're right. It's go that even that is going to feel like a disappointment.
2: Tough place it is. to be. Expectations it is. and maintaining and living those expectations.
0: Hey, Dude. maybe they'll go eleven and one. And yeah,
2: yeah shut it'll, us it'll up. Be great. Yeah, yeah. Take that. Hawkeye homers, right? (laughs) AD, hey, it's been fun the last couple of days. Thanks for giving me time. Thank you, man. Enjoy yourself. Oh, that will be no problem. (laughs) Going to enjoy myself here for the next 90 minutes or so talking more sports. We've got NFL schedule conversation coming up here on the other side. We're going to be talking... NFL schedule week one and all throughout with Christian DeAndrea from SB Nation. We'll follow that up, go a little deeper into the Cyclones. Dave Sprout will stop by his normal weekly spot here on a Thursday. We'll go to Vegas then at 11.05 on the BMW Des Moines guest list as Chris Andrews will stop in from the South Point Casino, the sports director there, and finish it up with Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com here on a Thursday. Time for a keyword. Let's do it right now. Try to give away $1,000 your chance right now at KXNO.com. Just enter the keyword budget. KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000. That's budget. Your chance to win. KXNO.com. Quick timeout. Back with more on the other side talking NFL schedules. Chiefs, Bears, Packers, Vikings, and more when we come back and their families.
3: Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon. On 1460,
1: KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO.
2: Trent got it back with you here on a Thursday. 10.35 as we take you till noon. Murph and Andy coming your way at 1 o'clock, followed by the sports fanatics here this afternoon. NFL schedule release last night. It was a a big event, a schedule release, a big event. That is the power of the NFL. Joining us right now to talk about that and a whole lot more, it is Christian D'Andrea from SB Nation. Christian, good to speak with you. Appreciate you giving us some time here today and a holiday that only the NFL can pull off, NFL schedule release day.
3: Yeah, it, it was quite the flex. Not only the the day long schedule release, but the, the timed leaks, and it was all a big to do from a league that likes nothing more than to do. So, I I I loved it, but it was a bit much for me. You know, I'd rather just drop everything at once on some random summer afternoon. But uh, you know what? Good for them getting their their share of headlines and at least. Taking from the sting out what is a, a thoroughly underwhelming opening week to this year's season, your primetime games include the Cowboys, the Bears, Brickman, in a new quarterback against that Rams defense, and the Las Vegas Raiders. It's not super exciting.
2: Yeah, it's not exciting, but it's football. It'll
3: be back. It'll
2: be back with, more, more than likely, full capacity, and I think people are going to watch. Ultimately, that's what it's going to be about, making them serve up some clunkers in week one just because – People are going to open it up. And it's still the Cowboys. Even if they stink, people are going to watch against Tampa and Tom Brady. I think that's going to do a huge number, too. You mentioned the Bears. They get Sunday Night Football. More than likely, it'll be Andy Dalton, not Justin Fields, taking the snaps in that one. So as we look at our regional teams here, the Bears' schedule, it's very difficult to rate these. I know there's different systems out there trying to figure out whose schedule is more difficult, whatever it is. But any takeaways when you looked at the Bears' schedule, including that prime timer to kick it off?
3: Yeah, I mean the prime timer is a tough one. I agree with you. I think Andy Dalton needs to be the guy against that Rams team. You don't want Justin Fields' debut to come against Aaron Donald. Even the the throw it up to Allen Robinson and hope it works plan is going to be stifled a bit because Jalen Ramsey is going to be following him all over the field. Let Andy Dalton do his thing. Give him the next week against the Bengals too. Give him that revenge game. And then turn the reins over to the Ohio State passer. I love Justin Fields, but there's going to be a stretch in that schedule that is absolutely brutal from him, for him. Week 7 to week 11, four games in a bye week against the Buccaneers, the Niners, the Steelers, and the Ravens. Those are four dominant defenses. That is when we are going to know what Justin Fields is made of. Hopefully, he is healthy, he's in the lineup, and he gets to test himself against four of the best defenses in the league.
2: So the Packers, let's stay in the division and go there. It's Saints week one, a couple of primetime games and after that. But we still don't know what the quarterback is. And ultimately, I was a little bit surprised to see them get the full complement of primetime games, including a Saturday game late in the season, just because if it's not Aaron Rodgers, there's a chance a Packers team might not be very good.
3: Yeah, and it's not just a Saturday game. It is the first game on Christmas Day, and it's against the Browns in Lambeau. That is a storybook scenario. If Aaron Rodgers is playing with Jordan Love, then it. it's a lot less interesting. But even with Rodgers, it's going to be a tough road to travel for the Packers. They have a lot of difficult matchups here. It's star-studded lineup coming in to face them in Lambeau Field, and Really, other than the Lions, you can make the case that just about everyone on the docket is a playoff team, or at least a playoff contender, uh, except for the Bengals, too. Poor poor Bengals just getting dumped on all over today.
2: The Vikings, I, I thought, had a, just a weird schedule overall for them, including early on. Open in Cincinnati, then go to Arizona after that, back-to-back road games to start off the season. It gets a little easier after that. Then they're home for three, but just overall, I don't know, it felt a little clunky, the Vikings' schedule here in a year where not knowing Aaron Rodgers, rookie quarterback for the Bears possibly, and, of course, the Lions and the continued rebuild that they are, an opportunity for the Vikings, but schedule-wise, it just it struck me as odd.
3: Yeah, and they start off with kind of a weak beginning. They're going to be able to get out to maybe 6-1, and 5-2. and two. They're going to build a lot of hope and confidence, And that is a Kirk Cousins disaster waiting to happen, especially the Ravens in Week 9. they got to deal with the Packers in Week 11, the Niners after that. So this feels like the classic kind of trap schedule for this Minnesota team where they're going to look good and they're going to be projected as a playoff team, but things turn on them. They don't nearly get as bad as they do for, say, the Packers, but – the Vikings are going to have a lot of challenges to arise up to late in the season if they want to return to the postseason. And see if Kirk Cousins can once again deliver a little bit of magic like he did in beating the Saints two years ago.
2: Christian DeAndrea joining us, SB Nation, taking a look around the NFL schedule release. Let's finish up here. For our regional teams, go south to Kansas City. The Chiefs after another Super Bowl, this one in a losing effort against Tampa. There's, of course, uh, the concerns that happened there. We know historically teams coming off a Super Bowl loss that tend to take a dip back. You don't feel that's going to be happening with the revamped offensive line. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes is still back there for Kansas City. But any takeaways from Kansas City as he went through their slate?
3: Uh, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, a lot of great games on the – on that lineup and the rising tide of the AFC West is really going to give them some challenges. We know the Raiders were able to beat them last year. The Raiders had their typically weird John Gruden offseason. I don't know if they actually got better. Maybe they got a little worse. Who knows? But we know for a fact that the uh, the Broncos are a team on the rise. They had a game manager quarterback who can take advantage of all their young options in a way that Drew Locke couldn't, thanks to Teddy Bridgewater's arrival. And then the Chargers, led by the rookie of the year, Justin Herbert, they're going to be a tough out as well. Uh, so, yes, there are a lot of different challenges coming up from outside the AFC West. When you win the division, you face all the other division-winning teams in the AFC. But that division schedule, it's no longer uh, a bunch of cupcakes. It's no longer marshmallow soft. there are a lot of difficult teams that the Chiefs are going to have to face twice this season, and it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Final thing for you, Christian, one thing that jumped out to me looking through the primetimers, Monday Night Football feels like their schedule continues to improve. That conversation that ultimately was had with ESPN and the NFL, it looks like they're getting a better schedule at the very least. Any other big takeaways from you when you got the full slate last night?
3: uh well the one of the first things I actually saw wasn't about Monday Night football that Thursday Night football was a little bit more respectable than usually. Yeah, it starts off with a lot of Thursday night football tight matchups, but towards the end of the season, you get some some pretty nice games there um Monday night football it does have its share of the clunkers but i I feel like they did a great job putting teams that are known for chaos. Into those late primetime spots. Uh, we don't know what we're going to get from that Dolphin Saints game in week 16, for example. We don't know if Tua is going to have this team back on track for 10 wins. We don't know what Jameis Winston is going to do in New Orleans. So I, I like the intrigue there. Games that don't maybe look like true bangers on paper have a lot of potential. Uh, I think it's going to be a very fun season in on Monday night. And uh, that, that said, there are going to be a few games there. Uh, particularly that week eight game, Giants, Chiefs. That's, that's only going to be interesting if you have a fantasy team and you need Tyreek Hill to score 60 points <laughs> to lead you from behind to win. Yeah, there are there are some questionable games there, but there are a lot of fun teams, some good, solid matchups there. Looking forward to the season, looking forward to a little primetime action.
2: Yeah, I don't want to wish away the summer, but it's going to be here before we know it NFL season, the normal NFL season, we hope, for 2021. Christian, thanks for your time today.
3: Always a pleasure. And if you are interested in more, you can subscribe to the post. route. is me, Ryan Van Bibber, Sarah Hardy, the former SB Nation and NFL vertical guys. Uh, we have a completely free newsletter. You can subscribe to
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Christian. Great stuff from him and and Ryan Van Bibber, who. Helped us out in the past, is uh, moved away from the NFL side of things a little bit. He uh, handed us Christian's number. A little funky on the phone line there. Had to drop it a little short with him. We'll hopefully clear that up in the future. Christian does really good work, and you can find him also on Twitter. Have that snacked up on our Miller and Cotton page. You can find him over there. Final time out of the hour. We'll come back and talk some Cyclones. Dave Sprout going to join me. We'll talk with Dave a little bit about the upcoming offseason for Iowa State. You look back at what has been done, what is can be done now in the offseason for football building. The roster is set for basketball. What does that mean? Offseason conversation for Iowa State Athletics. Dave Sproul will join us next as we take you till noon. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO at 106.3 FM. We're back with... Mm. kind Connick continues, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent running solo here today. Ken will be back on Monday, as will I. Emery Songer will be in tomorrow, manning the ship from 10 till noon. Excited to hear what Emery has in store for you tomorrow on the program. Right now, we're going to talk some Cyclones with Dave Sproul, also a Twins fan like myself. And uh, before we get into the Clones, Dave, a chance to lament for you that team stinks. How frustrating! You were up there when it was still hopeful. They're playing Seattle a couple weeks ago. Why do we get excited about this team? Why? Why do we have any hope at all? Anytime I do this with this squad, I just it's heartbreak after heartbreak.
1: Yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. But the thing is, the last couple of years, you know, with Balby and Levine there, they've done a really good job of you know kind of rebuilding season after season and putting together the pieces to, to make them competitive, and it seems like every kind of off-season acquisition they've made has, has fallen flat, especially in the, the bullpen, uh, which has been just an absolute disaster. So, you know, on the one hand, there was a lot of reason to give those guys uh, the benefit of the doubt uh, going in and rebuilding the bullpen again and, and going out and making some signings, but unfortunately, it just, it just hasn't worked out in any way so far this season, and yeah, it's it's rough to kind of have to throw up your hands and realize that at this point in the season, there is very little chance uh, of uh, hope of making the playoffs. Yeah, it's a
2: difficult spot to be, and there's a lot of baseball. There's a lot of summer in front that means, well, just more activities and more work we can do trying to figure out Iowa State football and basketball. So let's go there. And I want to go. Speaking of expectations, we were talking about having that with the Twins. Andrew Downs sat in with me here in the first segment today, and we were talking about expectations for Iowa State football. They've never been here before. In fact, they've only been ranked in the preseason top twenty five three times in program history, the last two years, and then you gotta go back to the seventies for the other time. This is unprecedented territory, and for a program where normally nine and three, that's time for a parade of names, nine and three would be a disappointment. I know it's been a conversation piece, Dave, but it's just such a different way of thinking, I would have to assume for people inside that program.
1: Oh, it's 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 just uh, remarkable for me to sit here and think about, uh, it's from my own personal pr- perspective, the idea that this is a team that has the potential to make the college football playoff. I'm not saying it's a guarantee or anything. You got to win the Big 12. You got to win the Iowa game for that those things to happen. The, I think this team is capable of doing that. But you know, Oklahoma is going to be really good, and there's going to be some competitive uh, teams out there in the Big 12 that will look to knock the Cyclones off. But this is this is now the team that has the target on its back, whereas before it was. Scrappy underdog story, maybe pulling one or two upsets a year, and now it's it's a program where the expectation is a minimum of, of eight, and nine, eight or nine wins going into the season, if not more, and a Big 12 championship uh, contender. So, it's it's quite remarkable just when you go back to the end of the Paul Rhodes area, the last couple of seasons there, and how little hope there seemed to be for the program and for those with longer memories. You go back even to the, the early Dan McCartney years and prior to that when it just seemed like a felt like a wasteland of college football. And now it's, it's part of a, a centerpiece in a way because there's going to be a lot of the college football season or at least certainly the Big 12 season that's going to revolve around what happens with Iowa State this season.
2: It's nuts. It's nuts that we're here, but that line is so thin. I mean, the difference, and it could come down to, field goal kicking it could come down to a couple of injuries and even with that and the top end talent we know Iowa State has they don't have the same depth as in Oklahoma they probably don't have the same depth as a Texas even though they've outplayed them on the field those kind of things where on paper right now everybody stays healthy everything goes right yeah this team very well could go 10 and 2 11 and 1 but the difference between that and even a 7 and 5 is a lot thinner I think than a lot of fans realize
1: yeah, Iowa State has gotten here by by winning its share of close games. You go back; I mean, there were games against Oklahoma and Texas last season during the regular season that that came right down to the wire and were one score differences. And you know, if you don't pull those out, if Texas doesn't, if Texas makes the field goal at the end of the game, then it's a very different looking season, I and mean, you don't end up in the Fiesta Bowl in all likelihood. And so, you got to make sure you win those close ones. And they pretty much all went Iowa State's way last season, and. So they got to make that happen again this season, and that's why Matt Campbell talks so much about winning in the margins and doing all the little things and making sure you don't make the mistakes that cost games and you take advantage when the other team makes those mistakes. And for that to happen, you know, you just need to be sharp in every aspect and you really can't let down. That's where the pressure comes in, I think. It's not so much the outside expectations, but just that knowledge going in every game, every week, that you can't afford to make those little mistakes that could make a difference between not only one game, but maybe a whole season because one game can really change the way a whole season plays out.
2: You know, Dave, another interesting aspect of this is just how it sets up this season, how different it's going to be for Iowa State and the way the schedule plays out. I think the schedule is set up in a way that it is very manageable, but it just takes one. And you know it. You and I could derail this thing. You and I absolutely could. We we saw it two years ago. I, they were a muff fumble away from that, making a crazy bounce going the other way. You and I winning that football game, it's just, I don't know, absolutely wild. But we're running short on time. I do want to talk a little basketball with you. Dave Sproul joining us from KASI up in Ames. And basketball, the roster set, we talked about it a little bit with you last week. After a week to kind of look a little deeper into it, think about it a little bit more. How's T.J. Otzelberger going to be able to hand out minutes to 13 guys that probably think they're going to play?
1: Well, I, and I, I think all 13 guys might get a chance to play, especially early on uh, in the non-conference season, just to get a sense of what their skills are. I mean, they'll have plenty of time, obviously, in practice to, to work on some things and sort out some roles, but, you know, the proof will be in the pudding when actual games begin, and there's going to be some good non-conference challenges, and there's going to be the typical tough cakes to to you know, get a guaranteed W, but those are also opportunities to try different combinations and see, you know, what works and what doesn't in, in those combinations and who works well, who meshes well together and maybe who doesn't so much to get the, the most out of your guys. But the reason you bring in all those guys is to, to give them those chances to earn the minutes. I mean if if you go out there and you you don't play, well then maybe that's on you. Maybe you know, the other guy just turns out to be better, or they're putting in more of the work, or whatever. And that's one of the pl- upsides of having, you know, as much talent as they do. It, I mean, this isn't going to be a, a final four roster by any means, but it's certainly an upgrade from last season. And, and you got a lot of guys who are going to compete with each other for minutes, and that competitive and carry over to the floor. And then there is that risk, as you mentioned, you know, guys maybe not feeling like they're getting their opportunity, or not getting the kind of playing time they had anticipated, and. Maybe sulking a bit and dragging down the team morale a little bit. So that's one of the you know challenges. No matter where you're coaching, really, is keeping as many guys as you can happy, keeping that buy-in at a high level, even if, when guys aren't getting uh, as many minutes. Because you never know when that opportunity is going to rise to make a play or get the minutes uh, that you might want to make an impact on the on the team and, and help them win.
2: Finally, Xavier Foster. They go out. They bring in Jones and Kuntz from the transfer market. George Conant will be a year for another year. Uh, so you got other bigs out there, but after the injury plague, freshman campaign for Xavier Foster. Where are you? What do you expect out of him in year two?
1: Well, Foster, the thing one of the interesting things about you know his fit on the team is that he is a unique player in a sense that he has a combination of size and quickness and athletic ability that nobody else on the roster has. You have some guys with size, but maybe not the same kind of quickness and footwork that Foster has. You got guys who can with some length who can step out and shoot and Foster is going to be more of a back to the basket kind of player or, you know, points in the paint kind of guy. But given that athletic ability of his, uh, there's no reason if he is healthy to think that he won't be a major contributor, probably a starter and a guy who can, you know, if healthy live up to that kind of potential that he he came in with and get, you know, he's got the chance now to really get that injury behind him. He had the surgery that cost him almost all of last season, but, in the long run, you know that was the smart move um, to, you know, get him healthy and give him a good future with, with Iowa State. So you know, a lot of a lot of the season and the success of Iowa State will likely hinge on his availability and his development as a player. But he certainly seems to have all the athletic skills and a, a, the right attitude that uh, the coaches seem to like in in a guy.
2: Dave Sproul, KASI fourteen thirty on the AM dial in Ames and Story County. Dave, as always, good catching up. Don't let those twins get you down too far, all right?
1: I'll do my best. I appreciate the time.
2: (laughs) Dave, joining us as he does on a weekly basis here, always good to catch up. Hour in the books, one more to go.